There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Hey. It's Nerdist Podcast, episode number 250-something. I can't remember. Does it matter? Anyway, uh, Matt, Joan, and I are performing at the Just for Laughs Toronto Festival, also known as JFL42. That's at the end of September. So if you go to JFL42.com, you can find out how to get tickets to uh, see us do the Nerdist Podcast live there. I think we're doing a couple of shows. I said I think. So uh, go check that out. I'd like to thank Amazon for being our sponsor for this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. If you go to this podcast episode's page, and you click on the Amazon link that's right there, a little graphic at the bottom of the post. It's all adorable and got lots of really cool stuff that make it all shiny. And then you shop, as you normally would on Amazon, uh, then you will be supporting the Nerdist Podcast. So that's a, that's a nice thing, because it's something you might have done anyway. It requires almost no extra effort. Unless you think clicking through a place at a website is a lot of effort. But if you don't, then it's not. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is Mike Birbiglia, who returns for a third time to the Nerdist Podcast. Uh, we love Mike. Mike is Mike's one of those awesome, brilliant, workhorse comedians that just figured out, hey, I'm funny, I should write like it's my job, and therefore I will get a lot of material. And now I have a one-man show, and now I'm going to turn that show into a movie that Ira Glass produced, and people are loving that movie. Uh, Sleepwalk With Me, which you should go see if you get an opportunity. Amazing movie. I am so excited for Probiglia. He's such a cool guy, and we love having him on. And this episode got a little heavy with some relationship talk. There's some mild spoilers for the movie, but not really enough that you shouldn't shouldn't listen it's not really going to give too much away but uh yeah because the movie's very relationshipy and so we actually had some real relationship talk it was kind of touching and a little a little hard at times but then also fun because dick jokes make everything okay so please enjoy this episode of the nerdist podcast mike berbiglia number three now entering nerdist.com Trying to have a real connection with somebody. You're to, you can have a real connection with someone as long as we're have, recording it. Yeah. 
all that matters. You're trying to have her. Go ahead. Burr Biggs. Hey. Burr Biggs. We're back. Back. A three-peat. It's a three-peat. <laughs> you uh, join the hallowed halls of uh, hallowed Adam halls. Carolla? Oh, Carolla's only been on one? twice. I thought he's been on three. Uh-uh. Oh, the three-peat is, three is novel. Is he yes, the three-peat? rare. Maybe he's the only three-peat. Well, well, Tom, Lennon, Tom Lennon's been on, I think, uh, Tom three Lennon. times. But not. he hasn't had three dedicated podcasts. What he has Michael techn- Black? Mike Black's never been on because Mike's... He's in the building. He's in the building right now. Oh, yeah, he's hosting Attack. God damn it. We should have gotten him this week. You know you know what's crazy about when I'm on the show and I've been on the other two episodes? When I'm on the road, people quote bits that the, the group of us did together. Yeah, really? That we don't just improvise. Yep. They're not bits. Yep. Yeah. They're just us talking. You're fucking yep. telling and, us. And huh? people are like the Florida bit. Florida sucks. Let's do that again. No, come yeah. on. What are you? When we were talking about Florida, take it easy on him right now. It's actually not the best time to be. the Republican National Convention. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, yes, that's why. Hurricane Republican Republican National Convention. Yeah, yeah. Hurricane RNC is really tearing it up. Chris Christie. But no, people quote the podcast as though as though it were a one act play that we wrote and performed. That's that's the weirdest part is that like you'll see people go like they'll say a line from you like why. Yeah. It's just a thing that came and went. We have no say, idea. Like, as though it's a one-act play, but it's a funny thing that they did on Smodcast a couple of times during live shows. They would have transcripts of what Kevin and Scott were saying, and they would switch roles on like previous podcast bits they had done. And That's, then like Kevin oh, wow. would play Scott. That's <laughs> was, I mean, really weird. Really, it was you know, weird. We, we, spent, uh, we, spent, we spent months developing this particular episode with Mike Birbiglia. Uh, yeah. we've, we workshopped we workshopped it all over the country. Of audiences. Uh, yeah. We did it at the Comedy Central stage at the Hudson Theater. Which is sort of funny that you say that because that's actually what you did with your movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually which, accurate. I mean, seg. I am, if that was an act, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's an excellent little segue. Um, I gotta say, the movie, it, I mean... I know I get a lot of shit for like being extra complimentary to people, but your movie is so fucking good that I swear to God, I am without hyperbole. I can say that I would be shocked if it didn't get some kind of an Oscar nomination Are for you something, serious? first like screenwriting or something. It's so fucking good, Mike. And what I loved watching Holy about God. it, what I loved watching about it is just knowing, knowing kind of what your process is and knowing, you know, like seeing. I really saw the movie as like, this is where you take a well-oiled comedy piece and this is how you blow it up. And just knowing how much... How much it was worked through the live show and then workshop yeah. with the film, like it was like I fucking I loved every second of it. Thanks. So congratulations. I'm glad you came last night. Chris came to the uh, WGA screening. Oh, oh I sat next to Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. This building doesn't let any writers in the guild, so we weren't <laughs> able true. to. True. It's that. very true. Yeah. The uh, Tim Robbins and uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we come out of the screening and you're surrounded by. Tim Robbins and Tom Hanks, who were giving you advice about press. They were. Wow. Was actually, what was some of the advice? It or was, was it a secret? Uh, it was, it will, no, no, there's nothing secret about it. I mean, okay. they just said it's the thing in show business that no one tells you about, which is that after you finish your movie or your TV show, they essentially stick you in a, a room and and with cameras, and they put you in front of 75 press outlets over and over and over yeah. and over again. The new person comes in, asks you the same exact questions. Uh. So you have to repeat it over and over and over again. 
and that and that you go insane. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you're hazy. You can't let the like the previous thirty people that might have sucked affect the one guy that's coming in fresh. Yeah, off that's the, what yeah. sucked about doing Comic Con coverage for G four when I was because I was Kumail and I both had to we were on the on the press line. Oh. And interviewing people, and we were just—I was just like, I cannot ask them the questions they've been asked forty thousand times. Yeah, so. and they, but you know what they said, and they said at the end of it, you'll be depressed for like two or three days when it's over. Postpartum. Because, yeah, yeah, postpartum, and uh, it was really, uh, it was really helpful advice. So you depressed? I'm not depressed yet. No, you haven't, you haven't had a chance to settle down. Oh, this, is, this is like my. <laughs> This is my break right here. This is the thing that I booked myself by just emailing Chris and being like, can I come on the podcast again? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. You want to disconnect your brain by being on the Nerdist podcast. I know. <laughs> well, no, but maybe he'll get a movie out of this sleep well, talk with me, and it's about him doing press. Well, he's so, he's already, well, first of all, he's got to fucking make my girlfriend's boyfriend. Yeah. Then That's he right. Can, that's that, the one so that is that official? Right is that going to... People, this is so, what's so weird about when you come out of a movie... I do interviews and people go, what are you working on now? And I tell them the truth. I go, oh, I'm working on a screenplay for my girlfriend's boyfriend, the one-man show I'm touring with. And, and then it's in the news. Yeah. It's uh, on yeah. IndieWire as a press break. Yeah. A press break for bigly a developing... That's where you are now. I think I saw it on and, <laughs> and it's not news. It's just what I'm doing at uh, That's a, now news. a house with my wife in uh, Western Massachusetts you're, this summer. You're casually. newsworthy. I mean, it, to watching... Um, First of all, I met Ira Glass for the first time oh, that's last so good. night. Oh, what a guy, what'd you tell right? him? Huh? What did you tell him? I said, I said, you dominate the top of the podcast charts, you delightful <laughs> did bastard. You ask his him radio what his show. Were? No, uh, and uh, and and I couldn't tell if uh, I couldn't tell if he was pleased or not pleased. And then I and then I made him pose for a front facing camera picture on oh, my well, phone. I probably loved that part. I don't know did if he liked that it? part. No, I didn't tweet it yet. Oh, I want you to tweet yet. it. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Sandbagging it. I'll tweet it. I'm gonna, yeah. yeah. I like to parse out my glass tweets. Uh, but it, Where uh, are all these, Here's my question. Where are all these photos going to go? Not, not yours, but everybody's. The fact that we all take 75 photos yeah. a day. I'll tell you where they go. They go to data centers that are being built in the middle of the country. <laughs> Underground. <laughs> it's where they're going to make people. They all go to this place where they're going to start manufacturing people. They're going to start manufacturing Johnny mnemonics. Yep. And then, uh, and then just all these people with all of this data. Well, just preloaded. Preloaded. Well, boy, if we could just preload babies with, with data. Yeah. Besi- yeah. Besides the genetic data that they, that uh-huh. they, they get, the, the survival mechanism, whatever. You just preload babies with data and then actually sponsors could sponsor babies. Oh, and, and oh. there could be a baby phone. Yeah. You could yeah. put a camera. <laughs> you could, baby. It could be yeah. a phone and a camera and a baby. Yeah. I don't have many pictures of my baby, but my yeah. baby takes That's like great <laughs> pictures. Well, I don't, I've, I've lost my baby. Well, is, has it been geotagging itself? <laughs> no, Go to find my baby on your yeah. iPhone. AT&T, my baby's got no service. No, uh, my baby got no service. My baby got no, my baby in a dead zone. Baby camera phone. My baby's in a dead zone. Baby camera phone was invented here today. You'll hear it. What I Everybody know this right now. What I, what I mean by my baby is in a dead zone is that every time the baby grabs your arm, he sees a glimpse of your future. Oh, uh, yeah. and, it's, uh, oh, that's good. and it's you holding up that baby so you don't get shot. <laughs> hey, that is excellent. Uh, baby camera phone. <laughs> baby camera phone. I love this. So I heard you're working on baby camera phone now. Oh, I'm working on baby camera phone. Yeah, film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on the baby camera phone video game. Well, you know what's funny is that I, I, we had this whole thing with Joss Whedon with the Avengers. The fake war. A fake war, uh, which which sort of caught on on YouTube where he declared war in our film, and it was basically because 
out of necessity. When you have a small film like Sleepwalk with Me, it's no one is gonna see it. Like like at first, you know what I mean. If you don't put a lot of elbow grease into it, sure, Chris, you know what this is like. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, that's you just described my career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chris and I have this deeply in common that if if, <laughs> if you don't if you don't basically, Iron Iron and I are chaperoning our film. But we're, I mean, we're bringing it to theaters in New yeah. York. Last but talk about, great, talk about oh, a great Q Talk about a great chaperone like Ira, like that audience, and the the interplay because Joss moderated the Q&A afterwards That's and the right. interplay between the three of you was so hilarious and I so I had a joke question and it was so hard not to get up and ask it because I just knew it was going to be failure if I did and I wondered if the other comics there were thinking the same thing and then another friend of ours Mike Barker got up and asked a, and did a joke thing and the bit didn't fly as well yeah. and I'm like that's what would have happened if I got up I knew Ooh. it no no I, you would have been fine because I immediately would have been like Chris you have a question this is Chris Hardwick you know I would have been like you want to hear my sweet. bit Here, here's here's yeah. here's what my what bit would have been hear my bit here's what my bit was gonna be <laughs> want to hear my bit <laughs> you're a that's comic like, that's the mark yeah. that's the mark of a bit about to get yeah. no laughs among other comics hey you guys want to hear my bit yeah you guys want to hear I've been four tracking lately oh no just real quick. Just uh, give me one second to yeah. put my defense shields up. Yeah. All right. Uh, no, because because Vito, when you're when you're watching other comics, stop prefacing. As, as a comic, you're gonna want <laughs> it's only gonna stop gonna prefacing. So I'm just saying, Come clean hardware. I'm just saying this would have killed. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Hold on. We're in a we're right, in an audience. Right, we're we're in an audience. So yeah. here's here's a, here's, a, here's a bit I was gonna do. So during the Q and A, uh, it actually ended ended up being a lot of focus on on Joss. Uh, true, you know, yeah, talking true. about. So I was gonna, I was gonna get him. Go. Hold on, hold on. So you'll, you'll be uh, Joss. Okay. Uh, you'll be yourself. I'll be Mike. And I'll you're Ira Glass. Okay. Hello. Hi, I have a question. Yes, Chris Hardwick. Um, so Ira, you obviously, uh, you know, you've done countless hours this American Life, uh-huh. and, you, and you really understand the the sort of the the human uh, dynamic. And then Mike, you also have done so many, so much stand up and so many live shows, and you've interacted with so many people. Um, so my question for both of you is how do you think, um, Joss came up with the Hulk punching Thor? <laughs> Cause that was coming, really cool. I saw it coming from uh, the first sentence, yeah. but yeah. I don't think that audiences would have. They did not. Would have, but I no. think it was very funny. I would not have I done that. It would, have done yeah. it would well. not have flown. I don't think it would have gone well. I think, no. I, you know no. what? No, because... Because they, because the audience wouldn't have. There would have been a second where they would have been like, "What?" And then, "Oh, I get what he's doing." I saw, yeah. but and I then saw I'm the dickhead comic. You prefaced it by saying the mood of the room was that everything was going yeah. for his job. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Maybe I wouldn't have picked it up. And I, yeah. and I'm, yeah. and I'm so glad I that I, it. that I didn't, that I didn't do it. I liked it. I think I, it's a good joke. I but I don't think talking to comedians. Yeah. I liked it. I liked yeah. it, but I liked I, it. No uh, laugh. You might have not heard me laugh. Last comic You could do the, you could do the Eugene Merman in the back room. <laughs> you know what? That joke would have died, and then I would have come out of that into the lobby and seen Tom Hanks and Danny DeVito and been like, I, I'm going to murder I myself. Yeah. myself. But Eugene Merman, by the way, makes a, an, an uncredited <laughs> cameo in the film. We didn't. We just used footage that we kind of knocked off at Union Hall in post. <laughs> like I was like, oh, we need this thing where I say this on stage. And we got that, and Eugene Merman was introducing <laughs> me, and he's walking off stage. And so 
I didn't know because you edit on a screen that's essentially like a like a TV screen that you'd have, yeah. and then you go and you project for the first time. It's a little Sundance and it's it's a lot larger. Yeah, yeah. This enormous. <laughs> that's where all your mermans show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where your mermans show up. That's <laughs> like what the, everybody just, says. Yeah. Just like the hair in the Did film. Did you check the merman in the wings? Yeah, you know, yeah. the little, when you see the little hair like check fluttering. The gate. There's the, a merman in there. Merman yeah. in the gate. So, so there was a merman in the gate. Um, <laughs> and a so, merman. So, you know, yeah, and. Um, so at Sundance, it became very clear when there's a 40-foot high screen <laughs> that Eugene Merman is very prominently <laughs> and got in reviews. It's like what? cameos from Kristen Schaal and Mark Maron, Wyatt Snack, and Eugene Merman. And then I had to, I was doing a show with Eugene in Brooklyn. I had to go up to him and I just had to go, Eugene, because we've been friends for 13 years. I go, Eugene, I'm really sorry. Um, you're in our movie and you didn't sign a release, and you didn't even—you've never even seen it. You didn't know you were gonna be in it. And I'm sorry, and please don't sue me. <laughs> and what's great, and actually, now that he hears this, he has the evidence that he needs to sue me. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you just flat out gave him the whole. Yeah. Oof. But to get back to the whole thing that we were talking about, and how did we get to this digression? Is the oh the Joss Whedon war? Yeah. He declared war on us because he because. His movie made one point five billion dollars. A lot of and, billions. Yeah, and Eugene and I, or not, or sorry, Ira and I, um, Ira Glass and I decided when we were on thirty-four screens, which is an adequate number for a small film, we we're like, well, let's try and rally our audience and say, hashtag bring sleepwalk, tweet at your local art house cinema, and he did it on the radio. I did it on Twitter. His radio show is actually a little more popular than my Twitter feed, but, uh, <laughs> and uh, and now that we're now we're in 170 theaters. That's awesome. Uh, wow. Not not simultaneously, but over the course of the next month. Now, were you doing like a 60,000 per screen average? Well, yes. Yeah, so then, what happened first weekend is Ira and I did uh, 35 Q and As in three days, <laughs> and uh, in in New York City, and we ended up with a 68,000. Uh, per screen average, which is higher than the Avengers' the first weekend, yep. theirs was forty-seven thousand. There was one caveat, which is that they were on forty-three hundred screens. <laughs> it's just we, it's details. Well, we were just on that one, and yeah. so. Uh, but but I feel like that's that's just part of being a smaller movie is you grow to one point five billion. And so what I what I've actually last night I made a pledge to Joss because I on the JetBlue flight here IFC Films. Putting me up, living large. Wow. Yeah. TV yeah. screen and I leather. The, I got the TV screen. I got the uh, the faux leather. To fly into Burbank. And and uh, oh, and, uh, nice. I, and I flew into LAX from JFK and uh, watched Avengers. Paid the five ninety nine on the flight. And I had this moment of revelation on the flight, which is why, in the spirit of superheroes coming together for a greater good. <laughs> Why don't we team up with Joss Whedon and together sleepwalk with me and Avengers can try and make three billion <laughs> and, and then we'll split it 50 <laughs> Totally fair. Totally fair. I think Joss accepted. You saw him. He did Chris, accept. You saw him. Last a lot night. of people saw it. A yeah. lot of industry heavyweights. Yes. Saw so that happen. Danny DeVito saw yeah. it happen. He's probably talking about it right now. No. Rhea. Come on, when are these guys going to yeah. get together? And where have you been? <laughs> uh, uh, so are you thinking about doing this for, for um, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend and uh, Avengers 2? Avengers oh. 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a nice double bill. Time, time nice, up. Yeah, yeah I nice see that at a drive-in. Yeah, I'd go nice to drive-in. My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, yes. And as a matter of fact, I, I should point out, I know you have a lot of California listeners, I'm doing uh, the one-man show California. In, yeah. No side <laughs> podcast. And, uh, Thousand Oaks, California. Lancaster, California, Irvine, California, and Palm 
motherfucking Springs. Oh, Palm Springs. Oh, nice. Palm Springs. Frank Sinatra's backyard. Look at, look at what's happened to my career. Yeah, right? I am playing in Palm Springs. You know, wow. you make jokes, but this movie, like, you, you, you are a legitimate, I mean, you know, it, if this movie does as well as it seems like it's going to do, there is a, you know, there's a Woody Allen track in your future, maybe, where you write a show and you put it up and you workshop it and then you... I mean, he didn't do it that way, but I mean, you... you the, the Marx but, Brothers did. But yeah, yeah, but he did stand up and then he segued. He did stand up and well, then segued. It's in. funny because when I was tw- when I was like 20 years old and I was in college, starting doing stand up and starting writing films, I was uh, studying screenwriting, that was my goal. It was a five-year plan. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it was the five-year plan. I'm going to become a comedian. I work the door at the DC Improv. I get better. I go on the road. I become a headliner. And then I circle back and I make my first film like Woody Allen. The five-year plan took 14 years, yeah. and of course, the movie is. I mean, I'm very proud of the movie, but it's it's nothing, nothing, you know, nothing to the level of, of what what he does. It's funny because when you actually do the thing that you aspire to do, like you know, for me, Annie Hall and Hannah and her sisters and in Manhattan are like the that kind of apex of like how that sweet spot of comedy and drama yeah. that you can we can all kind of aspire to. And when you make a film, you go, oh, that's why he's so good at it. And that's why I will never be able to do that. No, I don't like know, it. man. I'm telling you, you he probably thought the same thing when he was making films. No, yeah, when he made that. bananas, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think he thought that. For well, a like, it's like, you know, he's making, you know, what's up, uh, Tiger what's, up Lily. what's up, Tiger Lily, and, you know, bananas. And, like, I'm not sure he was like, like, you know, he probably had a thing is like, it's like, am I ever going to be able to, you know, break it and, like, do something a little more serious? And yeah. then you started off nice and serious. So maybe you'll lead into bananas. But the movie's not. I mean, like it is. It does have. Um, it does have a very poignant uh, undertone. But it's 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 pretty funny it's throughout. All jokes, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's jokes, and and but I think, but I think the really the best kind of comedy, which is you know, there these are honest things that happened, and and it was interesting to hear you guys talk about in the Q and A how, in, in your and then we'll talk a little bit more about the process of how the movie <laughs> developed, but. How you guys explored more of the that character's stand-up career True. development, and then tying that all in together, and then just that moment that you had with Marin that I've had with Marin too, oh, where where you say something, he goes, "How come you Marin. don't say that on stage?" And yeah. You're like, "I don't know, that's just a thing that I do." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you need to talk about that on stage." Yeah, that was I feel like that was like three or four. That's a moment in the film with me and Mark Marin's character, Mark Mulharan. <laughs> well you really done, Mike. It? Well yeah. done. Your character is Matt Pandemiglio. Pandemiglio. Yeah. He's Mark Mulherin. And uh, M-A-R-C. Didn't even yeah. change the consonants. I know. Yeah. And with, he has Mark Maron's headshot. <laughs> Mark Mulherin has Mark Mulherin. Mark Maron's headshot. It's on the website for the, the for the Burlington Comedy Factory. Yep. The Burlington Comedy Factory, which is wow. named for Burlington Coat, Coat Factory. Factory. Yes, exactly. Yeah, of course. And uh, <laughs> more the great coats, and yep. uh, yeah, no, and, and um, I feel like I, I feel like comics, are, I feel like we're all constantly having that conversation with each other, which is how can you dig deeper? How yep. can you how can you go further? Yeah, and that's what that mentor character says in the film. Well, you always, you said the first time you were on the podcast, you said I I go to a place where I'm uncomfortable, and that's where I write from. That's the goal, yeah. And it's what's weird is how it it's. Uh, it's hard. the more articles get written about the movie and about me it's it's harder because like i said like the there's a press release about me making 
writing another script and it's like people and like Pat Oswald talked about this with people's camera phones in comedy clubs yeah. and yeah. Chris Rock talked about it yeah. on the Daily Show even <laughs> it's funny when when it reaches a point where it crit did you see this no what did he say Chris Rock was yeah. on the Daily Show as a guest promoting Two Days in New York and he was like he was like, you guys, you got to stop <laughs> yeah. videoing comedians <laughs> they should in just, comedy clubs. Like, yeah. coat check. They should just check your fucking phone yeah. when you go but, into a comedy you club. Can't, it's almost like you can't develop something these days. And I'm, you know, I, I, I just try to play small rooms. And then I, lit- I don't know if you do this, Chris, but it's like I literally will stop the show and I'll just be like, hey, do you mind just not? I can tell that because your hand is so still as yeah. you hold your phone in the air yeah. that yeah. you're videoing this? Why? Well, you just well not it's do funny. That? A thing that happened at the Meltdown was uh, Tom Wilson was doing the show, and some guy just just starts filming, just yeah. right in the front row, thinks it's okay. And so Tom Wilson does a joke where he takes the thing, films the guy, and then puts the phone down his pants. Oh, and that's nice. At that immediate point, the guy was just kind of like, all right, all right. Then he puts it down on the pants. <laughs> the guy just went stone face. And then, like, <laughs> he tries to hand the phone back. Oh, my God. And the guy's just not touching it. Wow, that's... I, you know what I was just going to say? That's ballsy. Hey! hey nice! The yeah. footage sure was. I had a... Uh, let's, I re- just, let's just cut the rest of the podcast. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. that joke. <laughs> that yeah. set up, yeah. that joke, lights. Yeah. Enjoy your burrito. And then, and then well, at your next show, it's well, people with fucking... No, 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 no. In, in, in the next draft of this podcast, <laughs> then we'll, we'll make sure and keep that in. Yeah. I, I was performing at the um, at the, at Cap City once a couple years ago. Yeah. And a guy had his... In I- Houston, right? In, in uh, Austin. Austin, right. And um, this guy in the front row just had his iPhone sitting on the table in front of him and I could see that uh the audio record the audio yeah. record yeah. and I look down and I see the needle moving and I see the red light and I'm like are you recording this and he was yeah. like yeah oh. and then it kind of waited for a second for him to stop and he didn't stop and so I started hammering him just making fun of him for it and uh he killed himself. He did not kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> he right then and there. Did not. Uh, did not. Would not stop recording. Oh, that, I've and seen I'm like, that happen. No, really. I'm telling you. I and it got to the point. I was not like, Not kidding. I'm telling you. Please don't record this. And he's like, Yeah. And what it turned out was that he's his reasoning. He said was that he had cheated on his girlfriend, and so she didn't believe anything. This all checks out. He didn't yeah. believe any time he said he was going out that he was going where he said he was going to go. So he was recording the show to prove to her that he had been there. How about just like a picture of him with you in the background? Yeah, that would have been fine. Yeah, that right. would have been fine. Would have been much easier. Ticket yeah, stub. Yeah. That is the worst excuse I've yeah. ever heard for any. Uh, <laughs> listen, I'm a piece of shit. So <laughs> okay. No, I have to say though, you're because your fans, Nerdist fans, come to my shows, and like I said, they quote things that we've said on the show. It's a nice group of people. They're really it's a nice. Very nice bunch. Yeah. Like I'm really envious of and the people the who come out to your show. It's the same kind of person across the country. It, like, isn't that interesting? You them, it's like you've you really cornered them. the market yeah. on these people <laughs> on these who are sweaty. Just like, you have no yeah, like yeah, sweaty <laughs> spectacle. No, 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 no. Comic t-shirt loving, wearing, <laughs> movie loving. You dickhead, Jonah. No. Why isn't he a dickhead? Because he went even worse. He's the guest. <laughs> yeah. No, no, this is I my forgot. Home. I can't fart in my own house. I forgot to. I forgot to say at the end of that <laughs> sentence. And really pretty girls. Yeah. No, but yeah. but but what I will say is, whenever we go do shows and like we do the lines after the shows, like we take pictures yeah, yeah. of people and stuff. Most of the time, the event staff there will be like, you, you guys have like the nicest. That's what, yeah. Like the, everyone was organized and no one caused any problems. I'm like, yeah, yeah. they're just, they're docile. They just want to enjoy stuff. Don't forget yeah. about us. We get credit for staying the longest. <laughs> we, we usually do get credit <laughs> for staying stay the longest. longest. We stay till everyone's To uh, be honest, uh, though, those people get there before we even show up. 
Yeah. So oh, yeah. in a way, they're there for just as long as us. <laughs> oh no, no, no. no. I mean, out of like other performers who stay and do signings, we stay at the lines. Oh, yeah, I, I think our record is like our record's like yeah. two and a half hours. My whole thing is I'll sign anything. So will we? I always yeah. say bring like, bring other like, people's books. Fuck these people who say I'll only sign I'll only sign my CD. I'll only That's sign so my dumb. book. I and you know it, it reminds me of the scene in Jerry Maguire. Where it's like the kid comes up to the hockey player, yeah, and the kid's like, "Will you sign my card?" And he's like, "I'll only sign, uh, you know, the, 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 edition, the, the, yeah. the Fleer yeah, 19, yeah, yeah. 1997 <laughs> gold edition, platinum. It's in my contract or whatever." Yeah, and I, I hate that. I hate that yeah. thing of like, of like, let's gouge more money from you. It's like they came to the they came to the show. They bought a ticket yeah. to your show. Sign what? Yeah, I, I, we, I, I sign other people's books. I don't give a I shit. I do too. Yeah. I'll well, sign. We've signed dudes' chests. Yep. Yeah. I just I always find weird people will have their um, printed I, out I, ticket and they'll just be like, "I'm sorry, it's all I have." I was like, "This is more than no, no. Yeah, this I is know. great." I'm always thrilled to sign. Yeah. Tickets. Why not sign a ticket? That's what you do. But I loved <clears throat> I loved the tone of the movie because I mean, it's is it okay to talk about the movie without because I think it's fine. You know, let's give it a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert up front to the people listening. I, okay. I'm for, not able Jonah to not I. tune in to <laughs> yeah. this conversation though, well, which is like, listen with one ear open if you're gonna see the movie. Uh, well, but, okay, I won't give away specific points of the movie, okay. but I will say that um, the the movie, particularly for me, was very had was very had very real moments. I mean, you basically um, last year uh, I came out of a seven year relationship, mm-hmm. and you know it was the same. There were so many similarities to watching what happened to you, and just like. We've been together so long, but it doesn't seem like we're getting married. So we should maybe talk about that, but yeah. we're not talking about it. And just without saying what it is, the ultimate message that you arrived on, that scene that you added at the end yeah. where you talked to her afterwards was so much like, oh, my God, like I just I just felt my heart twist. I'm like, that's that yeah, was such an amazing I've, moment. I've got, there, there's so many articles right now that the people are writing articles that aren't even reviews that are just about the themes of the movie. Which is a weird thing. Like the Atlantic Monthly wrote a thing this week. Someone wrote an editorial saying, you know, it's not like I don't think it's fair that he made this movie. I don't think it's fair to his ex-girlfriend. But it's funny because it's wildly loving to the ex-girlfriend character. And she and I are still friends. And she loved the movie. Which is weird because it's like. That for this person to write this not knowing that like she's seen the movie. Oh, yeah. That's that's fucking Internet culture where people will say. You know, oh man, I fucking had this on, I was on Reddit today and people were talking about Walking Dead and they were like, well, here's what was going on in season two, you got to understand. And just all this stuff behind the scenes, like matter of fact, and and I know for a fact they were completely wrong. Wow. And it was so hard for me not to jump in and go, you fucking don't know anything. <laughs> and But I feel like the Atlantic should, should really have a better journalistic uh uh approach watermark yeah and for it, sure and understand that maybe you but, talked to your ex-girlfriend before you just made this but, but at the same time what is that what would that matter like um why would someone try and uh investigate a personal thing beyond the the output the beyond your artistic output it's like it's uh, me and my friend were talking about like um, like something like Louis was saying where he was like going off on a thing where he doesn't want his daughters watching TV. Yeah. And then my friend was like saying, yeah, he's saying that because he has all this footage of him on TV saying that his daughters are dumb pieces of shit. That's, that's I said, not don't, why. Don't project that onto him. Don't like don't you know don't put that on the person. Like yeah. just listen to what they're saying because <laughs> that's made their another effort. leap 
that he didn't Yeah, make. exactly. Yeah. He didn't do that. That's not why he's saying that. And even if it was, who cares? It has nothing to do. Don't like psychoanalyze someone else's art. And like the truth of the matter from. the truth of the matter is, you know, that whole thing where you come to this realization in the, you know, uh, in your life where you go Wow, the best thing about my life is my girlfriend. Like yeah. everyone says, no yeah. one ever says to you, like, "Hey, you got this great career. You got this. You yeah. got this." It's like, wow, your girlfriend's great. That was very true to my life. Like w- with my ex girlfriend, like there was uh, my family loved her, and I and I loved her. I mean, it, you know, we had a really good relationship. It was my college sweetheart, but it was this thing where I couldn't feel a sense of pride about what I was doing, and I think uh, I, that's sort of a. Universal feeling. I say that as I look in at the you. Sense, no, I mean, I cannot <laughs> feel any pride Mike, in almost anything. Um, Sometimes my hair is nice. Why do you think that? Well, I guess this is a this is a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but I don't think it ruins the movie for anyone. But just the idea of kind of just getting comfortable and staying in relationships because it's difficult to get out or you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. I, I don't mean, know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's very. Uh, yeah, it's very common. It's very common, particularly on, I think, honestly, with between college relationships and then adult relationships. Because you change college. so you much. Change. People change so much in their twenties. Yeah. I mean, my older sister Patty said that to me when when the breakup was happening because I w- the real breakup in real life. I was so destroyed by like I just felt like such a shell of a human being. Like I I, I remember I was with my friend Ptolemy Slocum, who's a actor and comedian improviser and who I've I'd known since college. I remember being in New York in my office with him and and just 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 bawling, just in the middle of the day, just bawling and just saying I think I may have ruined my entire life. Mm-hmm. It's hard, you know, when you're when you're with someone for a really long time. First of all, the I I mean, I guess there would people would debate whatever they think is worse. It's obviously terrible if someone does a horrible thing to you and then it's like, well, they cheated on me, so fuck this. Now the relationship's over, but then you yeah, got to live with yeah. that. But it is so heartbreaking when a relation where no one does anything wrong. It just doesn't it just, work. And you still love the person, and you want more than anything to love them in the way that they deserve to be loved. And for whatever reason, the chemistry just isn't there anymore. That's yeah. so. Yeah. That's such a sad. And 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 you know, like, I guess this just has to. This, this is just life. Yeah. I don't know. And, you know, in the last big breakup I had, even though I knew that it wasn't right, it's still like when the one person says we should end this, like the initial reaction is to just no. be like, no, because it's okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Because yeah. you know, that know the, how to do you, it. You, because you know that, that, that behind that no is a damn for yeah. <laughs> a flood of pain yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. coming. Yeah. I told her that I would quit stand-up. Like, yeah. cause like that was wow. like a huge issue. And like to think about that now it's, it feels embarrassing that I would ever turn my back on my favorite thing in the world. Well, yeah, you go yeah. into survival mode. Yeah. You, you kind of go into like, Oh no, no, no. I mean, I don't, you know, every time it just, but the more and more of those talks that you have and you kind of patch it over and you patch it over and then nothing changes and then nothing changes. Yeah. And I, I want to say to anyone listening, who's going through a breakup right now, like who's in the, the thick of this is just like, it, time actually does heal wounds like, yeah. in that way. Like I, I, I always am sympathetic because there are a lot of people who are in the audience who are going through the breakup that they're watching on the screen yeah. essentially. Yeah. And I, I have to say, like it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a trite 
it's a cliche, you know, it's something yeah. people say, but it actually is true. It's one of those things that just you, you just have to yeah. sort of live through. Well, and well the worst part is knowing that and then ha- having like the thought of just like, man, I just wish it was six months from now where yeah. I was just I past know, but, this but what feeling. I, but, but the other thing that I want people to, to really understand is that it it's hard to fathom in the moment that you could ever be happy again. Of course. Yeah. Because so much of your happiness and comfort, comfort being a keyword, was tied to this person. And it's, ve- it's hard to conceptualize that in the future, yes, I will have happiness. It will just be different happiness. Yeah. And yeah. the reason that that's hard to conceptualize is because it's new and you it haven't experienced exist. it yet. It doesn't exist, yeah. But, but you know... That as much as you love, you know, as much as you love that person and as much as I, you know, as much as I love my ex-girlfriend, you know, I feel like we're bu- like she's better off now. And yes. I'm, you know, like we're just it's just different. It's just yeah. different than it was. And it's weird that after a breakup, there's the you'll probably have more fun than you had in a while. But there's that haze. There's that just that layer of just like, you know, sadness that you have. That you don't realize that you like you're like you're hanging out with your friends every night. You're going and doing stuff you've never done before. These are fun times, but you don't appreciate them. Like in the fucking way. Right, right after my breakup, I went out after a Channel One One screening with like, and then I saw Jonah at a bar, and he was just so surprised to see me out. That was the weirdest thing I ever yeah. saw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing yeah. out? This is me. He was actually more excited than that. <laughs> yeah, no. That was great. What are you yeah. doing out? Yeah. Well, it's weird. I, I look at uh, I look at like pictures of me like post breakup. I'm like doing all kinds of stuff. I'm traveling. Yeah. I'm doing more shows than I ever done before. And like, uh, there's me smiling a bunch. But like, I look back at the time. I'm like, man. But I remember being so fucking just sad. New is scary. New, New is scary. scary. Yeah. And yeah. and you know. In a relationship, you always have to be growing in some way, and you hope that it's in the same direction. Yeah. Um, you hope you're like those two trees that grow yeah. next to each other that grow in a symbiotic But it's really way. hard, yeah. particularly, like you said, coming out of college, and you know, it's, it, you're also making work decisions, and you're trying to develop your, your career, yeah. and... And and it's that person's developing identity. their it's a it's huge, a huge identity, identity. yeah yeah and so it's just it's hard to it's it's really hard to engineer that so everything works together and you know just I think that's that's why you see so many particularly in the South in the Midwest where people tend to marry a little bit younger than yeah. in the coastal regions that uh, <laughs> the coastal regions <laughs> region. region, that uh, you see a lot of you know divorces by twenty eight and then yeah. remarriages around thirty three yeah. I just think that there's going to be a referendum on marriage at some point where people come to the conclusion that that it's uh, there's a people get married for about twenty years or fifteen years and <laughs> then they are married. You know, it's like you they, tell your they, wife that. No, I mean, I I I actually think I have really high hopes for us going the distance, and that's <laughs> why we got married. Yeah. I was super reluctant to get married. Um, uh, as I talked about in my girlfriend's boyfriend and, and obviously in this film. But um, no, I, I mean, I do actually think that we'll spend the rest of our lives together, but I think it was after much, much, uh, you know, a while, an absurd amount of neurosis and overthinking. Yeah. But I do think that at some point there will be kind of a referendum on like, what is marriage? I mean, I think the gay marriage thing obviously brings it up into the forefront in a certain mm-hmm. way where it's like people start to second guess, well, wait, what is marriage in the first place? What are these people fighting for exactly? And then what are yeah. 
what are what are heterosexual? What you it it begs the question: What is marriage? Basically? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just and you raised the point in the movie that marriage was a thing that came around when people weren't living for eighty, ninety, a hundred years. That's right. That yeah. the life expectancy was like forty-seven or whatever. Mm, I know, yeah, I'm yeah. starting to get bored of you. Oh no, I'm I got the black plague. <laughs> oh no, I got, oh no, I got the black plague. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody oh, must the new the you, new prank you show. You looked down at your wrist. Yeah, when you, you, you saw it on your wrist just now. There the black it is. Plague. Ah, shit. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Got Listen, it. I'm gonna need some forearm. space. Yeah. No, seriously, get the fuck back. I have the black yeah. plague. Yeah, get uh, away from me immediately. Yeah. I don't know. You know, marriage. You know, I, I guess it is. It is sort of an interesting idea, particularly with sort of shifting spiritual, religious, society paradigms. You know, what is it? I, I guess it's. Part of it is like, you know, I'm, I would like to make my monogamous commitment to this other person. And then obviously there are legal reasons why people do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, but uh, yeah, the, I guess I guess when you ask that, what is marriage? And I, I guess I, I don't know the answer. I guess yeah. it's just a commitment that you an extra commitment that you make. Well, it's yeah. I mean, I guess the 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 positive side of it is it's like you're 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 saying to the world, this person was a stranger when we met and now we are a family mm-hmm. yeah. and there is something special about that to, to say to someone who's not a blood relative or in some cases a blood relative <laughs> <laughs> depends where you are regionally you know we, we're all probably related in some way I mean you know 10,000 years ago there was a, 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 a human bottleneck oh gross <laughs> so, there, so there were only like maybe of uh, course Chris the earth didn't get here till 6,500 years ago that's what so. I meant it's not about 2012 <laughs> Who's Paul McCartney? <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, no, there is something special about it. I, I have to say, like, I, and I think I I feel very lucky to be married to my wife. So, I, it, but it, it is something that begs discussion, certainly. And 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 my my complete puzzlement at the concept of marriage is interesting because I'm a monogamous guy. Mm-hmm. I, he really is. I like. I'm. I'm just a relationship guy. I like. I like being in a relationship, yeah. and I don't. I've never cheated on anyone, and I just. I just like that. I just enjoy. I enjoy that piece of it. Yo, Chris, you should try fucking around, dog. What, dog? You should try over once, dog. Uh, what happened to your voice, Jonah? What? <laughs> now I just started thinking about pussy. <laughs> I don't know what happened, bro. I'm scared. Voice? It's stuck, bro. Yeah. What the fuck is happening to me? Is there you a- were thinning about pussy. Uh-huh. Is oh, there, what's happening today? Is there a fifth member of the podcast now? No, yeah, that was a, <laughs> Pussy Voice Jonah. <laughs> pussy Yo, what, voice what are you Jonah doing here? Jerk. Oh, shit. <laughs> he had, he fitting to bring some pussy up in this mofo. I'll help you get all the pussies. <laughs> Every single pussy. Um, this, uh, the movie itself very much, I felt like, was a, a mechanism of your stand-up gene, much in the same way that you worked the show you were just yeah, able to work it over that, that you were able to screen the show a bunch of screen the movie a bunch before the final version of the movie, which to me feels like such a wonderful safety net to have. It was really, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Cause this American life has this huge Facebook like following. It's like 600,000 people. So they would post, um, Hey, we have this movie. Cause it was all secret. We couldn't say what it was. Because we didn't want people to go, oh, the Mike Birbiglia movie. Yeah. Let's show up and judge it and then leave. So it's like we just said there's a movie 
that you can see for free if you go to this location. <laughs> People showed up. They had no idea wow. what they were seeing. And then at the end of it, Ira came up and he was just like, what do you think of the relationship? <laughs> what do you think of the sleepwalking? What do you <laughs> Did you guys think the movie's funny? You know, like that kind sleepwalking of and stepbrothers more. That's the guy. And we got That's like you. a lot of uh, we got a lot of uh, feedback. But uh, what did Pussy Talking Jonah think of it? Yeah, I thought it was dope. Really? <laughs> that we got yeah. that kind of feedback. Every chicken, and I wanted to rail. Even Carol Kane. What? <laughs> Pussy's pussy, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to edit myself out of this portion of the podcast. Yo, why am I making you uncomfortable? Some ghost of Christmas present, put there. <laughs> oh you That's you, a serious. You guys seen that dick in a box video? <laughs> <laughs> that shit. But That's the, what I'm going for. So it's Halloween yeah, again. Again. So, so to answer your question, we screened <laughs> it for uh, This American Life viewers and. Pussy talking Jonah was not there in real life. <laughs> got caught up, dog. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you get caught up in, Pussy talking Jonah? I was in the woods. <laughs> in the woods? Yeah. I got my dick trapped in a pussy trap. What? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. This went off the rails, dog. You sure oh, did, Pussy yeah. talking Jonah. So, so we, we, we basically got <laughs> feedback that was similar to like when when we were when Seth Barish and I were workshopping the one man show we'd we'd put it in from an audience and then we'd say afterwards like what do you in a really open ended way like what do you get from this like what what's your takeaway and when we we hear what people say and and obviously we hear the laughs or where the lack of laughs which happened early on early on like the first cut of the movie had no laughs different than a stand up set weirdly oh yeah exactly. Just plays differently. Yeah, and, and it had no laughs, and we, you know, we cut it probably like twenty-two more cuts before we finished, and we we figured out why it wasn't getting laughs, and because it was like literally the same lines from the one-man show yeah. that would kill on stage that weren't getting laughs in the film, and we sort of had to sleuth it. And you figured out we figured well, we figured yeah. out this big point, and you guys haven't seen the film, but I talked to the camera in the film, and I used to be in the kind of Ferris Bueller way where it's like I'd be in a dinner scene and then I look up at the, you know, I look up at the camera, I look over at the camera, I say, here's how this dinner's going. My dad's mad about this. My mom's mad about this. And my girlfriend's mad about this. And I go look back and we continue the scene in the edit. It was just like, Oh, that didn't work. <laughs> oh man! It was just like uh, there was something about it that was so campy. Did you shoot Talking Heads? To go no, so we shot it as a um, me driving a car, and the conceit of it is like I'm driving to a gig essentially from the present, and I'm talking about what happened in the movie in the past. So oh, I'm like, okay. I'm gonna tell you a story, and it's true, and it's like, and and I start saying like a few years ago, you know, I was living with my girlfriend, and blah blah blah, and and there was somehow by putting it in the past people felt comfortable laughing at stuff that's sad. You know, there's, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Time. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. The time. Because they know your character didn't die. They know <laughs> my character's not dead. I hope he doesn't dead. have his heart broken to death. <laughs> and then, the, and exactly. then the car is sort of a metaphor for the journey that you're taking. That's right. It's yeah. so beautiful. So Thank wait, you. that came up Thanks. after the original, like, shoot? The edit, yeah. Wow. I mean, we had an editor who's such a badass, this guy named Jeffrey Richmond, who edited Sicko for Michael Moore and The Cove, we totally got an editor who's way more qualified than we were to make <laughs> movies. And, uh, is this his first narrative? No, he uh, actually did like Peter and Vandy. He did the virginity hit. Right now he's okay. doing Terrence Malick's. But in a weird film. sort of wow. way, he's, it's almost, I feel like there's a, there's a documentary spirit 
there to, is. The, to this movie that needs that kind of tor- storytelling. There is. It's. It's. Yeah. It's. Uh, it's. You could say it's autobiographical or semi-autobiographical, and and yeah, I feel like in retrospect, and we didn't know it starting out, but it, that's what it, that's what it needed to be. Like it's mm-hmm. so weird how sometimes you start on a project and you think it's one thing, and at the end you're like, oh no, it's this thing. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, a movie is made, you know, three times. There's like the writing, then there's that's the production, right. and then there's the editing. Yeah. It's so funny. It's like there's this huge element of the movie that is um, all about this kind of basic relationship truism that. Every, that almost everyone has experienced and nestled in that is this experience that you have with sleep disorder that is almost entirely unique to you yes, and a handful of other people. Disorder. So it's really interesting to see this super broad, relatable story through this lens of a handful of people. But then what's funny about it is that I, and I didn't realize this until now that the film is coming out and being written about so much is like that sleep Sleep disorders are at an all-time high. 4% of Americans apparently have sleep disorders. Do you think that's because people are just more anxious in general? I don't know. It's possible. But then the lar- the larger point I was going to make is is also we're in a comedy boom. So like yeah. the movie in some ways is a sweet spot of like that we never <laughs> intended. That's like if Tim Robbins in The Player, like you can imagine him in a meeting being like, all right. Sleep disorders are big. Comedy's big. Let's put it together. Let's get a co- an unknown comedian to be the star and the director. And bango. Yeah. I could have asked him. I was sitting right next to him. I know. And then he got up to go to the bathroom. He was like, will you guard this seat for me? And I go, yeah. And then he leaned in he, and he said, I mean, like, fight to the death guard. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. And I go, I will kick the shit out of mm. anybody. I was rallied wow. by Tim Robbins. But you also you you also brought up a good point in the Q&A for... Um, I think for anyone who's listening who might be trying to make a film where you said the, the main difference, I, I'll let you say it in your words, no, but the no, main please. difference between between theater, between theater doing the theater version of the show and the movie version of the show was that in the theater version, you could go, you could say to people, oh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And in the film version, when you were directing it, if people asked you a question, you had to have a definite answer. Yeah, when you're on the set and people come up to you and they say, is, is, this, is this scarf blue or red? You can't say I don't know. Yeah. Because the moment you say I don't know, everybody's taking lunch. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, did somebody Man. say, uh, you know, because they need you to break. They need He's you to figure somebody, out the fucking scarf. Yeah, they yeah, need you to lead them. You that. have to lead them. Yeah. You have to. You know, it's um, the best analogy I've come up with for directing your first film is it's it's like if you showed up to middle school, like seventh grade field, the seventh grade field trip, and you're everybody's getting on the bus, and you get on the bus and instead of sitting down. You just stand up and say, okay, today I'm going to drive the bus. <laughs> and everybody's like, what? You don't know how to drive a bus. And you're like, I know, but I've been watching the bus driver. I feel like I have the hang of it. I, 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 I've been watching other bus rides. Sure. I have my favorites. I have my lesser favorites. And I feel like I have a bus driving aesthetic. I even enjoy the carry us black and white this. buses. But your feet don't even hit the pedals. <laughs> and your feet Prison barely buses. hit the pedals. <laughs> and that was true in the movie. <laughs> my feet, <laughs> that should be on the poster. His feet barely hit the pedals of the metaphoric bus. But again, you know, I, I just, I, I can't, just having that. Can you imagine if the film had come out Without all of the workshopping you guys were able to do with oh it, it, it would have been a much different story. Well, you know what's crazy is the film is on Rotten Tomatoes is at eighty four percent as of five minutes ago. Hey. And, uh, <laughs> refresh. I, does anyone have a refresh button around here? Uh, but yeah. it, it's uh, the it, but uh, the so it's, that's a very good score. That was very I'm very happy about that. 
The negative reviews, if you read them, just stick it to me. They hate me. What is it? They don't <laughs> just hate the movie. That's personal they attack at that me, point. They hate me, who I am, what I represent. And uh, it's painful. And it's funny because they say this, this thing that's a common criticism in film right now, which is like, oh, it's another one of these man-child stories. And what I want to say when people say that is, isn't it, can't at this point, aren't there enough female filmmakers that we can just say, comedies are often child stories it's not man child like yeah. are you gonna say that Kristen wig is doing a a woman child story in, in bridesmaids i will now are you gonna say that lena dunham did a, a female child or a woman child story in tiny furniture well, these are I, films yeah. that i love I, I think, films, I think yeah. but it's about uh, growing up but the core yeah. but the core of what's happened but i think i think the broader issue you know the male female issue aside i think the broader issue is that what's happening is it sounds like those people are attacking you by saying that your story is hacky, but the idea that you're saying is like, this actually happened, happened. to me, yeah. and not and you're and I'm not just a guy who tried to write, you know, by looking at some pie charts, like, oh, th these kinds of movies are popular. This is very autobiographical on an emotional level. It's yeah. emotionally autobiographical. And so when they're attacking your story, <laughs> they are basically attacking you. They are attacking you, and they're saying, your life is hacky. And you're like, but it yeah. happened. There was an article on Jezebel, which is a feminist site, which I like. It's I a mean, good that, site, yeah. What's funny is I like these sites that are criticizing me. And, oh. uh, you know, and it's like, but they said basically... You know, it's classic, like, woman wants to get married, guy doesn't want to get married. And it even said, we know that it's true. We're aware that it's true, but we would hope that he would try to break the paradigm. You know, you know what's fucked about You're that, the though? paradigm. Here's what's fucked up about that, because, um, you know, in, in the seven-year relationship that I was in, I, I, I completely understand what you were doing with Lauren Ambrose's character when she basically is saying, no, I'm not saying I want to get married per se yeah but just the idea that you can't even say like you get to that point in a relationship and this you know maybe it's hacky but this is but this is what happens is one side or the other starts to sense from the other person or both people an together uncertainty and uncertainty on both sides and, yes. and so then you kind of say it's not about that we want to get married right now but the fact that we aren't even having those conversations yes. is very very that is a that is a very telling undertone to this relationship yeah. that we need to examine. That and that scene actually, I think that I'm pretty sure that that line is actually written by my wife Jenny, because we were like really focused on making those key scenes between my character and Lauren's character real, and like that like she doesn't say like let's have a baby in the movie. She says you know our friend Butler, our, our friend's kid Butler. Like needs maybe he needs some buddies, yeah. you know. Like, and it, we we try to nuance those yeah. things so that so that it felt more like the way people bring those kinds of things. Yeah, because that's how it's always in, in passing and playfully. Yeah. Like, uh, it's like, oh, that looks fun when yeah. you see kids and stuff like that, or like uh, weddings and all that kind of stuff. It's never like we have to do this. But I think I I would I would I would challenge these journalists and say to them that their approach to your movie is hacky. Because they're not, <laughs> yes. because they're mm. not listening. They're not listening, and it's the same. Like at the end of High Fidelity, when he finally, when Cusack's character finally says to his girlfriend, "Look, so do you want to get married or what?" And she was like, "No, I don't. That's not the point. Yeah. But the point is that we're talking about it, and you act, like it's it's not a. It, there's nothing that I got from that movie where her character was like, "Oh, I'm just a starry-eyed bridezilla wannabe," and you know, like it yeah. was nothing about that. It was about 
where are we at in this relationship and what is our commitment? And, and if we're not talking about this, then that means that there are deeper issues that we're just ignoring. And, uh-huh. and I, think that's the, I think that's the message. It's not, it's not at all. People who think that your movie is about man-child and girl who wants to get married and he can't grow up are just fucking, they're dumb. They're not, they're not looking at the movie. Post the, your quote. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just they're fucking dumb. because they're not they're not looking at the movie the way that it deserves to be looked at and they're not seeing the more complex story and relationship interactions that are actually present thanks that i'm sorry i don't mean to me. get so mad about it but it's just no i, do, I get it, mad too it's just easy yeah. for, it's it just easy for easy because it's just easy for someone to look at something at the surface and go oh yeah i get it and you're like no you don't fucking get it and you're making a judgment based on on information that's wrong yeah. And and you're and you're saying it with absolute certainty and that's fucking irritating. This to is me. kind of another funny like reviewer thing is the uh New York Times really like like the film it's critics pick and everything, but they call me it's funny when in the New York Times you're referred to as schlumpy. Oh. <laughs> like schlumpy. But here's the kicker. I lost twenty pounds for the movie. <laughs> I was like, what was I before? But it was like this slumpy Berbiglia, like edges onto the screen. It's like, what would it have been like? Edges. Fat ass Berbiglia. <laughs> Barrels like on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barrels through. Yeah, I would take yeah. that onto compliment. the screen. Looks like big belly. Slumpy. But I think, but I think maybe they meant just more that as, as like the energy of My the character. Energy, just yeah. sort of being like, uh, you know. Mm, yeah. And there, and there is, there is a. There is a lot of food in the movie there is too. A lot of food, yeah. My character, my character is obsessed <laughs> with food. <laughs> oh man! I like how you 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 actually had to make the conscious decision to not make the character Mike Birbiglia. Yeah, and it basically that came down to like it's not like you write fifteen drafts of a script and you realize, wait, this isn't my parents, this isn't my ex girlfriend exactly. Like it's you're doing things convenient for story, and so you don't want to stick them for the rest of their lives with like people coming up to my parents going, Hey, I saw you in that movie. It's like, yeah. uh, well I mean, of course they will do that regardless, but you at least want I'll do less of plausible it. Plausible yeah. deniability. Yeah, just it's not Woody Allen, it's Alvy Singer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But how, and but uh, and that was the thinking, be, uh, as opposed to like Woody, or uh, Woody Allen being Alvy Singer versus Howard Stern being Howard Stern in Private Parts, which yeah. is another movie I really love. Yeah. But he made a choice, like, this is the movie I'm going to make. Yeah. And, and Woody Allen is like, this is one of 20 or 30 movies I'm going to make. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to say this is my life story. Right. Yeah. Uh, you told a really interesting story about when your ex-girlfriend, who you're still really good friends with, yeah. came to see the movie and just the perspective that it gave her, which I, which is what I would use to battle anyone who would say like, that's not fair. You made a move one sided movie about your ex-girlfriend. Yeah, no, she said, um, she said that she was able to experience something that no one ever gets exp- to experience, which is she got to see the other side. It's wow. like in a breakup, you never get yeah. to see the other side. You never know what it feels like. And for her, it was actually, she said it was like very cathartic. And she was like really choked up by it. Yeah, that's, that's got to be a trip. to just Because, you know, you put so much on the other person when you split. Because you just, your mind will go into fucking crazy dark places. Where it's like, what are they doing now? I bet they're like going out on a date with that guy she worked with. You know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And to like actually get like an insight on all your emotions after the split has got to be pretty, pretty weird. It was hard. Like after we broke up, we were living together and I moved out. I thought like that was like the noble thing to do, even though it was my apartment. I was like, it's the right thing to do for me to leave. And she has the apartment. It's rent controlled. 
and uh, <laughs> and then like six months later, may, I I don't know for sure, but I think somewhere between six and twelve months later, a, her new boyfriend moved into the place. Yeah. So not only had he symbolically taken my place, but he took my fucking place. Which yeah. New York is really expensive. I, uh, with the uh, with the uh, last big breakup I had, uh, it was uh, I moved out. Uh, she owned the house, but I moved out of it. <laughs> that was very big of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To not take out, her property. But, but like, uh, my dog was there, and we had there was like three. We had three dogs, and like I was like, well, my dog is buddies with your these two other yeah. dogs. One dog we got together. We both had our separate dogs, and I left the dog there, and uh, and like. You know, in my head at the time, I was thinking that like she'll look at the dog and then she'll remember that I'm really not that bad, and then she'll yeah. <laughs> she'll want to get back together. Aww. That was in my head at the time, but like, uh, but it was also Aww. like you know at the time I was like, no, it's better if Parker stays here. Um, but like, they, like he's the Jonah anchor that yeah, just exactly. gives her puppy that's eyes like, all the time. Yeah, she'll see it. She can't not think of me when she looks at the dog that I was mine. You know, <laughs> Jonah, I put yeah, the dog but, down. But uh, <laughs> um. And like what I just found out recently, because uh, I'm still friends with her sister, uh, is uh, I'm still friends with her kind of, but um, like uh, her sister's uh, said when her, the new guy started, she started seeing, seeing this new guy like months later, and then he moved in months after that. Uh, the guy would always say like, I think I'm allergic to this dog. He, he would claim oh, that he had, she had to get rid of that dog because he's allergic. He's like, he was not a, these other two. He was emotionally allergic to that. Yeah, dog. yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, yeah. I moved out. You know, we we owned a house together, and I'm I moved out because. I really, it was a very, I think it, it was, it was, a, it was a very um, mature <laughs> breakup because we both still loved and respected each other. Yeah. And, you know, when I kind of looked at the house, I just sort of felt like this house is more of an expression of, of, of you and you deserve to be here more than I do. Yeah. You know, like it's just. So I'm, you know, I'm happy to, I'm happy to, to move out. And of course, what, I, what was more of an expression of you is the G4 Studios. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just, I live in a, I live in a Corvette, uh, a black Corvette with a yellow racing stripe oh, on the I side. I sleep in a race car bed. Where do you sleep? In a big bed with my wife. Oh. <laughs> I love that we have to undercut our serious emotions with jokes. Because that's <laughs> like how we just had like a hard so moment. It's like it was do. an expression of but her. That, that's, how we, that's how we yeah. deal with this race stuff. car bed. I know. But I, and of course I had those. Of course I had those thoughts of like getting a race car bed. Yes. Uh, actually, I had one when I was a kid. I did have a race car bed when I was a oh, kid. Oh wow, silver spoons like over silver here. Like silver spoons. <laughs> yeah. And yes. you look a little bit like Ricky Schroeder. Well, Rick Schroeder. I didn't want to bring it up, but Rick yeah. Schroeder. Yeah, yeah that's, your avatar does. Really? A haircut? Oh yeah, the yeah. toilet looked like Rick Schroeder. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, but I guess that I did have that same sort of like, wow, you know, we're not in a relationship anymore. Of course, there's gonna be someone, you know, going over at the over at the house. And this was even after like I was seeing someone. Yeah. But there's still a sort of a weird, dumb male thing where you still get a little like, oh, there's a guy in my house, and you have to go, no, you fucking idiot, that's yeah. not your house anymore. We're adults. We're She's adults. Person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it is, you know, the emo our emotional cores are just, it, it, we do our best to try to filter them through our higher brain functions, but at the core... <laughs> Yeah. They, they just they yeah. just do things that you're like this isn't right or fair and I know yeah. I and really hope that there's no pull quotes from this podcast <laughs> like I hope that there's no transcript and then it's like Chris Hardwick <laughs> says of relationships oh god <laughs> no I don't think I hope that I won't happen I stayed in the apartment that Greta and I moved into and uh, 
It's just Did you weird. Just say you stayed. I stayed in my in. Well, you, you just cleaned here, it out but too. Here's, here's a weird, and I don't mean to like. And if you want, we can cut <laughs> we can this out. Yeah, no. But when you were getting that place, and yeah. it's actually a very similar thing. What Mike was going through, like, yeah. you, like she wanted to move in. He wasn't sure. Yeah. Um. And so I, he was even, moving in, and when he was like, when sure. he was thinking about prices, I just didn't even want to. He he didn't want to, but they were still doing it. Uh, and he was like, when he was looking at that price, he's like, every apartment I'm looking at, I'm looking at, can I pay for this on my own? Wow. If this ends, like he wow. was saying that while they were still together, yeah. and I was like, "You, Holy yeah. yeah," and uh, turns out I can. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, no, it's still, it, but it's still, it's still weird when I'm at night when I'm there by myself. I'm like, huh, this is uh, bigger than mm. I needed. We to fought be. over there. We fought in the kitchen <laughs> right over here. <laughs> the coffee all... table still has a hole in it that I punched into it. The question is, you shouldn't say those things. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think now there's evidence. <laughs> I think what have, what would have saved your relationship, uh-huh. I, dare I say it, would have been a, a baby cell phone camera. Yeah! <laughs> would have made everything better. Yeah. Bringing it back around. You just had a baby cell phone camera. You would have had a baby. You would have had a camera to take photos. Uh, you would you would have had a lot had to put you, it up into a mirror though. You'd have to show the You would have had a, you would have had a lot of pictures of you guys fighting, fighting and then the pictures would have tear smears on yeah. them. <laughs> tear smears. <laughs> tear smears. <laughs> hey, you guys got that uh, tear smear filter on uh, Instagram? Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's my really tears for smears. <laughs> tears for smears. Nice. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean I I do think that uh, <laughs> I, I do think just kind of kind of kind of wrapping everything up that it that it just for anyone who's going through it again it is possible to come out of a relationship uh be okay it is. be grown up about it you yes. know like again this this breakup that 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 she and I had um still love each other to death and you yeah. had the same experience yeah. that, you know it's just sometimes that one piece that really should be in a relationship just for whatever reason may not or it's not the right time or it's not or it's not the it's not the right time but yeah. it is you know it was really the it was really one of the first relationships where i felt at, like afterwards it's like a lot of times when you're young you break up with someone you're like yeah fuck that person i never want to see them again yeah and i really feel like i really i love and respect this person so much i really kind of need her in my life in some way or I'm just gonna feel kind of incomplete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's for, but for anyone who's going through it, again, you'll you'll be okay. It's been happening for millennia. Do what you gotta <laughs> it's been do. Happening for millennia. Come on, Jonah, pussy talking, Jonah. Come on, just you know, get up in it. What? what? That's not in the <laughs> what tone you... of what we're saying. What? That's not in the. T- <laughs> pussy talking, Jonah. Just pussy talking, Jonah really yeah. puts a damper on like an earnest relationship talk. Because you no, got, it does provide some talk. Yo, just stop dancing around what it's really all about. You leave one pussy to just jump in a few others. Oh no, a few, a few. Jeez. <laughs> oh, thanks, J Ray. No problem. <laughs> Thanks, just, GTJ. Ray. Just doing the Lord's work. Guys... I want to give a shout out to JC. Wait a minute. <laughs> why are you? Why is Pussy Talking Jonah giving a shout out to the Lord? I thought that's what we're all here for. I you know. Bet. I think the Nerdist live events could have Pussy Talking Jonah as its own ten minute segment. <laughs> I like to thank God for Don't, Pussy. Uh, we're not above that, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you in New York, yeah. October twelfth. Oh, you know what is your New York date? Is it October? 12th? October twelfth. Yeah. Where are you guys going to be? The Best Buy Theater. Oh, awesome. You coming? 
Well, what? Ah, I'll look at my calendar. If I if I can, I will. Sure. Look at it right now. Just let us know. Four <laughs> I don't have any. I have no. Do, I don't have a we, device. And then we have a hangout a contract. Calendar on yeah, it. No, you no. do have to hang out with us after the show. Only if you had a cell phone camera baby calendar. If I had a cell phone oh, camera baby, baby calendar. Calendar. With the tattoo on its back to where dry the land weird is. The thing is, when you hit the Siri button on the baby, it talks, and that's just awkward. That's so weird. I don't want yeah. a baby talking like that lady. Could you please repeat, fuck yourself? <laughs> Wait, the worst part of the cell phone, baby, is when you're on the phone with your girlfriend and just starts shitting on control. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, holy, you got away. And she's yeah. yelling at you about something. You're trying to have phone sex. What is this? Yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then it, and then it sparks something that you never wanted to spark. <laughs> <laughs> I think the cell phone baby camera could point out to society how we really feel about babies. Yeah, yeah. You know, it would it would help with nannies, like being yes. able to keep track of the, the upcoming schedule. Yeah. yeah, it would make people pay attention to, to their babies the more, a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, Built they'd be walking down cam. the street looking to their babies the looking, whole time. Oh, well, especially oh, yeah. looking at his baby, especially phone. in California, and New York. It'd be legal yeah. to have a baby and drive. You have the yeah. ba- you have the baby phone camera covers, which defines yeah. what your personality is. I use my is. baby hands free <laughs> all the time. Mine's bedazzled. Mine's a Hello Kitty one. Put little ears on the baby. My baby's colored like a TARDIS. <laughs> my baby's battery keeps draining, and I don't fucking do that's anything. That's not oh. battery. Sorry, you got to get a different baby phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can't remove the battery. I'm sorry. It's I can't wait baby. for. So I just what do I do? Turn in the baby. You got to turn in the baby. Turn in a radio shack. I can't uh, wait for a ba- baby camera phone five. It's gonna be so much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna hold so much more. Well, I'm like gonna, gonna be able to carry a lot. You know, like the baby galaxy S three. You know, this is a true story. Well, the babies just sued the toddlers for patent infringement. This is a true story. Actually, the weirdest thing to start saying in the middle of this thing. Wait, wait. This is a very sad story, but um, Steve Jobs actually had a baby phone camera, and he didn't he didn't acknowledge it for a lot of years. <laughs> and it was uh, everyone said, "Steve, what about your baby camera phone?" And he was like, "I I don't know if it's mine. I'm not it just, sure." Just, just took a lot of father. pictures of darkness uh, and just a one wall. Yeah. You know what? I was adopted, so maybe this baby camera phone. Yeah, yeah. That's, maybe yeah. it's a symptom of yeah. something larger. And then Samsung saying it. it was their baby camera they phone. They were so yeah. way well, off. I hate the Droid version. I really do. <laughs> it's always crashing. Yeah. Uh, well, that's actually what the movie Baby Genius Bar is about. Oh, uh, uh, directed right. by uh, Bob Clark. Yep, that's right. <laughs> When when the when the baby camera phone crashes, it just starts crying. And <laughs> <laughs> then that's just a Tamagotchi. Oh, Tamagotchi. oh that's Remember adorable. That Defeat it. We're going deep yeah. with baby camera phone. I'm okay, what you, else do babies money. do? They breastfeed. <laughs> We're yeah, just making yeah. the list. Of, there's <laughs> money in it. I really do think there's money in it. There's a yeah. crap for that. Yeah. Uh, there's a crap. For I that. think there's a T-shirt in the making. I think a Nerdist listener should make a baby camera phone T-shirt and I'll bring make it, it to the next Nerdist or Mike Birbiglia live show. Yeah, a capacity or screening baby. of the and, movie and, or screening of the movie. And when they. Do that. I'm gonna take a photo of it and I'm gonna send it to you, Chris, or you send your photo yeah. to me. Yeah. Because the problem is that um, uh, with the pinch and zoom on the babies, <laughs> I'm speaking, and all you're doing is brainstorming new jokes. <laughs> Welcome to our world. 64 gigs. 64 gigs. Gl- glass screen. Home button. I gotta go. No, wait. There's five no, more. Really has to I gotta go. go. <laughs> 
I seriously. He's got go. a lot of baby yeah. phone interviews. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck with the movie. I know you have a bunch of screenings that you're you're doing. Uh, but and congratulations. And, and I know you know again. I I, I I everything that I said about like as passionate as and excited as I am about your movie, none of it is manufactured. It's I'm one hundred percent honest that this movie was a gorgeous, uh, well done, hilarious uh, uh, film. And I Thank really, so really, really much. hope. That uh, it just—it's nice to see other sides of your friends and be like, "Oh my God, my!" Like, I was really proud of you last night. Like, nice. really proud of the process and the work that went into like, joke, 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 set, one man show, Broadway show, fucking movie. Like, the whole process nice. was so so great to watch. And I'm proud to be uh, An celebrating American. a three-peat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well done. Possibly Keep a four-peat if it's free in October. I'll see it. We'll see you when uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend comes out. Yeah. Right. And not a moment sooner. Not a moment sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come back. <laughs> Please. Enjoy your baby camera phones. Burritos. Uh, uh, oh, just a... Wait, Pussy Talk and John Ray, you want to say enjoy your burrito? Yo. <laughs> Before you enjoy your pussy, enjoy your burrito. Well, it almost sounds like Teen Jesus. Didn't I do Teen Jesus at some show, like in Texas? Yo. Check out, oh, check out this water. Colorado. Nah, it's wine, dog. Colorado? Was it Colorado? I don't know. <laughs> now it's wine, dog. <laughs> oh, that's good. What kind of wine? Nitrain. Oh, wow. Turn this water into Mad Dog 2020. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Oh, please press stop. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.